brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. going on top rope nation ryan drosty here with mr jesse velasquez to break down night two of wrestlemania 39 and no shortage of things to talk about here on monday morning jesse how you doing a little bit better than wwe right now i would say <laughs> Feel, feeling all right ryan how, how's everything in your world and Cedar Falls, Iowa. Oh, you know a little hectic just dropped my kid off at school but i took a personal day today so i could like decompress from wrestlemania i didn't realize the sale news was going to break this morning of course when i was planning for this show and you know i know you got to work so we're trying to do this you know in concise form a little bit but a lot to talk about and i i really appreciate you jumping on with me kind of short notice here you know planning out a wrestlemania show and uh you're always great on the show you've been on here i don't even know how many times at this point many times on our patreon shows and so, yeah, everyone check out Unplugged Pro Wrestling, Jesse's podcast as well, of course. But uh, kind of becoming a regular co-host here, Jesse, on Top Rope Nation. And I appreciate you joining me this morning. It's always a wonderful time, Ryan. I'm going to save my comments about Kyle Ross for the very end. Because okay. I do have something to say as well about that. Okay. Good. Good teaser to keep you guys tuned in. And, uh, you know, I also appreciate the fact we're streaming right now in SE Scoops that you are a contributor to SE Scoops. I am as well. We've got the synergy going there. Much like WWE and UFC are going to have some synergy here, it sounds like, Jesse, because uh, the news broke yesterday. I had the article up on the SE Scoops main page. And now here Monday morning, it has been pretty much made official. They're still waiting on, you know, approval from the feds and everything, but it looks like this Endeavor group is going to be who purchases WWE. Uh, Vince McMahon, you know, came back into the fold in January. The word was he was coming back to facilitate this sale. Things picked up this weekend in Los Angeles. WWE had a lot of interest in the sale, a lot of media people out there in Los Angeles meeting with them. And uh, yes, Sunday afternoon, Alex Sherman from CNBC broke the news. They made it official this morning. I mean, less than an hour ago, I guess, at this point. Um, and so, yeah, they they sent the word out to the SEC. They finalized the deal Sunday. There's a lot of regulatory hurdles to make it all official. But in the end, it looks like Endeavor will own 51% of the company. WWE shareholders, 49%. They are forming under Endeavor a new group, which will consist of WWE and UFC. That group has not been named yet, but we do know the stock ticker symbol for it will be TKO. So there you go. There's your uh, fight sports reference. And um, yeah, I mean, Ari, Ariel Emanuel, <clears throat> the CEO of Endeavor, Obviously, he's, he's got a lot of money. He's got interest in, in the combat sports realm with uh, UFC already on board. WWE's enterprise value is $9.3 billion under this deal. 
Um, and uh, UFC, $12.1 billion. So this new company will have like a $21 billion valuation. And so they talked about this in the quotes that came out in the Hollywood Reporter this morning. Um, uh, let's see. Jason Lublin from Endeavor said, we see significant operating synergies throughout the ecosystem. Uh, so, I mean, before I go any further, Jesse, your initial reaction to the WWE sale news as you heard it yesterday and then as more has come out today. There is a lot to break down here, Ryan. I'll do the best I can to keep it concise for everybody out there. I think there's a lot of symmetry between Dana White and Vince McMahon just with the the way that they've been running both of their companies forever, I would say. Dana's been involved with UFC, I think, since 2001. So a little over 20 years, Vince, of course. Back at the end of time, uh, I'm very curious to see because, of course, it's publicly owned. And when WWE went public back in 1999 or early 2000, there were a lot of changes to the structure. And you saw it last night as well, even with WrestleMania and all of the cinnamon toast crunch the all of the the sponsors like they're gonna have their hands on things mm-hmm. more sponsors are probably gonna have their hands on things and the other thing that i'm a little bit concerned about and this is more for wwe employees than anybody else is jobs i think in the next couple of weeks we're probably going to see some people let go whether that's talent whether that's front office or otherwise mm-hmm. so I think the the one positive is it's not being sold to a Saudi Arabian group. However, the UFC does go to Saudi Arabia as well. They they have gone overseas to Asia just because it's a it's a big time money market for them. It's a it's a big grab. It's something that the WWE at the end of the day it's it's a business and doesn't matter from time to time if ethics fall by the waste side. So there are a few positives. There are a few negatives. It's more of a wait and see approach. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Endeavor, I mean, they've had this reputation with UFC of kind of lowballing fighters with their pay. So that does not bode well for WWE talent. Uh, UFC pay-per-view prices have gone way up under Endeavor. There's a lot of discussion out there of what this could mean for the WWE premium live events. You know, is pay-per-view coming back? I It's way too early to tell right now. Obviously, we were just talking about this off-air. The Peacock deal, when they signed that, was five years. So we don't know what the contracts look like for the agreements there and, you know, how that's going to work out with their live event structure. But that's a fear for fans because you get used to your 10 bucks a month or 5 bucks a month or whatever you're paying for Peacock to see these events every single month. And I just, I cannot imagine a scenario where I'm going to pay 60 bucks a month to watch WWE live event. It's just not going to happen. So if that happens, we will not be reviewing every pay-per-view on this broadcast because unless I watch it through other means, there's zero chance I would pay monthly for these shows. I mean, how about you? This is exactly where I think your SE Scoops poll is going to come into play, Ryan. You got to ask him to, to fit the bill, I think. Yes. And this, well, this is why the pay-per-view model for All Elite Wrestling works is because they do it quarterly. Whereas yes. WWE switched to the monthly format, I believe, in 95 with the first in your house. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, at that time, they had the pay or they had the, the price structured a little bit lower because so from a value perspective, they put the WrestleMania Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, and... Royal or uh, King of the Ring 
I think five, maybe they put those at the premium prices and then mm-hmm. the other seven in your houses were a little bit less. So maybe if the WWE goes along that line, once they move to an ESPN plus potentially here in 2026, unless they can break the Peacock deal. And I don't think that they can, but yeah, it's going to be very, very difficult for somebody to foot the bill for, let's see, $1,720 a year on mm-hmm. WWE premium live events. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a concern. Uh, the concern with creative, you know, um, Emmanuel already in the in the media this morning was talking about this. And he said he's leaving that up to Vince. And that got some people to cringe that, you know, Endeavor's not going to be involved with WWE creative. That's Vince's wheelhouse or something along those lines. And Vince was asked on CNBC this morning if he's going to be involved with creative. And he said yes and no. He said that he can't get involved down in the weeds, but at a higher level, yes. And that does not sound good, Jesse. So we shall see what happens with WWE Creative. Apparently, Vince is, if he's not on it right now, he was going to address on CNBC the scandals, which pushed him out of the company. So I don't know what he said in regards to that, but he's already been out there, you know, making the rounds this morning. It's not good when... And I guess there's the little bit of irony here that not just him, but a specific friend of his is also in the news in in the next day or so is going to go possibly in the direction that Vince should potentially be going as well. Yes. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, this this new group then that will combine UFC and WWE under the initials TKO on the stock exchange. Basically, what the corporate structure is going to look like. Yeah, Ari Emanuel who will be the chief executive of Endeavor and the new company at the very top. Patrick Whitesell will be the Endeavor executive chairman. Mark Shapiro, president of Endeavor. And then McMahon will be the executive chairman of this new company. Nick Khan will be president of WWE. And Dana White will be president of UFC. There will be a new 11-person board established this year. For the new company, that will include six people from Endeavor, five people from WWE. So that's what we know right now as of 9.15 Central Monday morning. I'm sure as the day goes on, more will get out there. But we thought we should talk about it right away. You know, it's in the news right now. And see. So let's move on, Jesse. WrestleMania 39, it wrapped not even 12 hours ago. Everyone was talking afterwards. Our Facebook group. Top Rope Nation Pro Wrestling discussion was lighting up. I see people in the chat already talking about it. our friend Tim Jensen here. Was night one booked by Triple H, night two by Vince? Uh, Niall Clark, if not Cody, who dethrones Reigns? So let's talk about it. Main. We're going to go right from the top with the main event. And then after we talk about that, I'll ask you for your grade. And we'll look at where the audience was on their grade for WrestleMania 39. But... I guess just throw it to you, Jesse, your initial reactions to Roman Reigns retaining the title yet again here at WrestleMania. It was a choice, Ryan. I don't I don't believe it was the correct choice in judging by timelines, top rope nation, and a lot of people I respect in the wrestling business, it didn't go over very well either. And the glaring concern for the WWE since the beginning of almost time. This was maybe after Hulk Hogan will say as well is baby faces. When you get them, 
when you organically specifically when you when you have one that's super over with the crowd how you got to be able to as cody put in his best words finish the story and they haven't really had a a very compelling babyface story close with a happy ending organically this is since 2005 if we're being honest cm punk was force-fed via the fans. Daniel Bryan was also a revolt from the fans. You've had multiple other, I guess, and another thing too is Triple H, he's starting to maybe follow in Vince's footsteps just a hair, I would say as well, just when it comes to who his guys are. Because I, I look at some of the names that fans have wanted as WWE champions or WWE universal champions and their reigns last anywhere from 30 to 120 days. So they'll give the fans what they want for maybe three months for, and then they'll go right back to their guy who they've had as it like Mm -hmm. Roman has been this case now since 2015, 2016. I will give full credit to Roman. He he should be in this position right now. I think the big problem what fans are getting sick of is when are you going to pull the trigger on an organic baby face? Cody was it. You could have even done it last month with Sammy for a very happy ending there as well. Mm-hmm. Montreal. Now you're not going to now they're not only going to for, not forget about 1997, they're not going to forget about 2023 either. So when you're in the business of retention and keeping fans happy, giving them the story that they want to be fulfilled. This wasn't the this wasn't the correct ending, in my personal opinion, Ryan. Go ahead and dive into it. Yeah, a lot to digest there. I think you're right on with the looking at the historical issues with this company and making new baby faces. They haven't intentionally done it since Cena Batista, I guess, would be the last time. Um, and, you know, John, yeah, he's a babyface because he sold a lot of merch, but he always had the mixed reaction. Batista was pretty much universally getting cheered, and that was a crafted storyline that worked out really well that elevated him to the top. But as you said, every other big-time babyface they've had were accidents or forced by the fans, not intentionally done by the company. I would give them credit with Cody. They brought him in and were going to push him right away. They allowed him to keep everything that worked outside of WWE from his look to his theme song to the character to everything. So I would give him credit on this, that this was an intentional push where they could create a top baby face. And I worry that they wait too long. Um, You know, a lot of times we've heard in WWE, I'll just wait for it to play out. And when when have you waited for it to play out in recent years? where it worked out. I mean, I can't think of hardly any examples. Typically, they drag the stuff out and they move on to something else. So that's the danger with Cody Rhodes, I think. I think he's still looked at by the fans right now as a threat. You know, he lost. It was another BS finish with all the interference, and that's getting pretty old. So he's protected in that way, but you do risk people taking him seriously long-term and actually making that main event guy out of him, especially if you move on to something totally different. We'll see what happens, you know, on raw tonight in the aftermath, but it sure felt like this was the time to strike. And I know we talked on our preview about the 1000 days thing and all of that. And I can see why they would make the decision that they are because they 
they love that kind of stuff, making those, you know, those historical references. But in the long term, are people really going to talk about that? Does that really mean much, whether it's 945 days or whatever it is, or 1,000 days? The guys had the title for almost three years. I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's more important to make another top star because Roman steamrolled everybody. You got to elevate. So, I mean, if it's not Cody, someone had this in the chat a little bit ago. Um, I think it was Niall. Yeah, if not Cody, who else? I mean, look, they can obviously go to the Jey Uso storyline, but if they're not convinced Cody's the guy to put the title on, I don't know how they'd be convinced that Jay is the guy. I believe in him, but I don't see that one. Uh, maybe. I mean, you're talking about doing a Seth Rollins match, maybe. Uh, I mean, Randy Orton's coming back. None of this really interests me that much outside of Jey Uso. That story is compelling, for sure. But I do think Cody was the guy. I feel like... There was, pr- I wasn't there last night, obviously, but I feel there was probably some confusion leaving the arena when people are filing out, just kind of a disappointment. I was doing this, this live watch along over on the Bleacher Report app with Jeremy Loss and that chat room, we had like 250 people on there. They lit up afterwards, almost universally angry. Do I think these people are really going to tune out of WWE? No, I do not, but they were not happy. And you're right. It's you're playing with fire here a little bit. I know Hunter said in the, in the post game or the the post show scrum. Wait for it to play out. We're telling a story. This isn't the end of the story. But like I said on my Twitter feed, you know, I've read a lot of books where I got bored and I put it down and I never went back to it. You got to be careful that your next chapter is actually compelling. And I hope they have something planned here. Um, yes, it's Cody's first shot at Roman. It doesn't mean he shouldn't have won. I saw some some conversation happening on Twitter. I'm not going to call out anybody, but because these are people I respect. But I did see someone say, you know, when when has wrestling ever been good when it's predictable? And my answer to that is all the time. I mean, when Steve Austin won the world title at WrestleMania 14, everybody could see that coming from a mile away. And it was still a landscape changing moment. I've said this on the pod many times. Wrestling when it's predictable is not bad. Not in a moment like this. Because the fans want it. You know, you have this deal now where WWE definitely has this antagonistic relationship with their audience. And it's kind of fascinating on one hand, but it's also really frustrating on the other hand. So it's hard in the aftermath. It's not even been 12 hours to totally judge it. But in the moment, I will say I thought it was the wrong call. Maybe that'll play out differently long term. You know, we shall see. But it... It was a really good match up until that finish, but it felt very deflating. It felt like, really, this is how they're going to go off the air? You know, when Solo got in there at the end, after he was banned from ringside, by the way, uh, I thought he after the bell that he was going to attack Cody some more and someone would at least come out for the save and like try to send the fans home happy. Like maybe Rock's there, you know, something like that. But nothing. It was just this really bland ending and yeah i don't know i'm i'm not really i can't totally grade it right now because it's so fresh but right now i think it was it was a mistake anything you'd care to counter with there's a lot to unpack here (laughs) i know that's probably a stolen phrase jay uso while it's very compelling that you could do that story i think tonight is where you start a singles run because He's been involved exclusively in a tag team with his brother since Jimmy came back in 2021. So I don't necessarily know if I believe that 
I don't, I don't believe that story. I don't think you can heat Jay up over the next six months to, to do this. It's going to take a little bit longer. What I worry about with the WWE, because they've done this so many times before, is a very Vince McMahon-esque move would be for Cody Rhodes to now wrestle Solo Sokoa because Solo is the one who cost him the title, and Solo is the one who's going to pick up the win, and Cody goes right back down the card. That mm. is a very WWE move. Yeah. I don't want to plant things into fruition. However, that is a possibility, too. Here is an excellent take, by the way. Of course, can't go a Top Rope Nation podcast without mentioning Trevor Dame. Mm-hmm. And in his words, before the end of that match, I was going to call this weekend a new WrestleMania 17. One of the greatest shows WWE ever put on the eve of a massive change for the promotion and the entire industry. Now, I don't know. Call it ever whatever you want. I don't care anymore. And somebody said exactly like WrestleMania, so exactly like Mania 17 with the Austin heel turn. You just referenced it. And mm-hmm. Trevor immediately retorts, oh, God, I just realized that Mania, Mania 17 had a horribly huge consequential heel finish that led to a downturn for the entire business. Okay, this was, in fact, the new WrestleMania 17. That ain't good, Jesse. <laughs> we just talked about Mania 17 last week on our classic show. Three hours on that. Yeah, that ain't good. Um, David in the chat he says they won't ever have the conditions the same as they were last night to pull the trigger on the Cody Rhodes gun. I agree. I think that's the danger. You, you drag it out. If he eventually beats Roman, it's on a lesser show. The mo- if, if this is a company that creates moments, it's not the same as WrestleMania, SoFi Stadium, all of those people, Brandy and his daughter in the front row, You know the build with Dusty at the biggest show of the year. It's just not the same if it takes him two or three times. I just don't think it is. Um, David also in the chat mentioned, I saw someone say on Twitter that the 999th day of the rain will be the Saudi Arabia show. I don't know if that's confirmed or not, but could be. It is. You don't think it is. You don't think they'll swap it there and have them come up one day short. I hope not, because I'll tell you that those shows are not watched alive by a lot of people here in the States because of the time difference. And that would be unfortunate for him to have the title almost three years and to lose it when people are working or just not watching wrestling, that would really, really suck. What do you think, Jesse? It's also Memorial day weekend. It's the day before double or nothing in AEW. Mm, So Saturday then. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't see this happening. I think Roman will hold it through there because I'm trying to think. So the fiend defeating Seth Rollins to win the oh and also did, hasn't Goldberg won a title in Saudi Arabia so it has changed hands there before but uh, I think not with a with a lesser audience watching yeah I mean yeah that, that that would not be good because especially Memorial Day weekend people are out you know it's warm again picnics going on nobody's going to be watching that in the U.S. it'll be around like lunchtime on Saturday of a holiday weekend that would be terrible. That being said, WWE does a lot of terrible things. <laughs> I mean, who, who knows? Um, oh, well, Derek Chappelle checking in in the chat. What's he say here? Our good buddy Derek. Haven't seen him in the live chat. Welcome back, Derek. I saw a tweet that said the first night of WrestleMania this year was like getting back with an ex and in love again. And the second night was remembering why you broke up with that. Yeah, yeah, it's that's totally right. Okay, get, let me give you your grade right now. Or you give me your grade. Sorry. Um, I was at an A minus for night one. 
raved about it with Justin. I think rightfully so. I think night one was an awesome, awesome wrestling show. And then you go into last night and it was like, this is the same promotion. <laughs> I mean, it was, I'm at a C plus for last night. Where are you at? Yeah, I toggled back and forth between C plus and C. Mm-hmm. If you put the honus on the ending of ending of the Cody Roman match, like a lot of people do, like if the movie's pretty good, but then you get to the ending and it's completely unsatisfying, you got to lower the grade. Yeah. I will go with a C here because there's really only one match you're going to really want to go back and watch. Mm-hmm. And then it's completely up to you if you want to watch that main event again because knowing what happens because Cody Rhodes is the most organic baby face you have had in a long time and in a company like we've said before that has an issue booking baby faces does it again and goes with the heel champion no matter how good Roman Reigns is it's going to be really, really hard to reverse that to reverse that story and come up with a better ending because I honestly believe that you can't put together a better ending than to this story that is or this chapter than Cody winning the WWE Unified Championships. Yeah, um, Brian in the chat agreeing. You've had three different chances to beat Roman. You only get so many organic moments. I mean, yeah, it's frustrating that they didn't do the Sammy thing because he had Cody on the horizon, and I, I heard that this decision for. Roman to retain was made in the last couple of weeks. So after Montreal and now you didn't do the Sammy thing, which was like a magical moment for, because this was on the horizon and then you didn't do it here either. That's a little frustrating. Um, someone else in the chat, LG 24. This was the same thing that made me stop watching in 2015. He can win it tonight. It won't feel special. Won't have the magic. I hope they don't do that. That would be so cheap to do it at raw and not do it on the big, big stage. Um, Brandon Evans, counterpoint. I'm not mad about Roman winning last night because have we ever witnessed long title reigns in WWE? Not in a long time. Not like this one. Uh, I mean, we had the punk one that was pretty long for the modern era. But outside of that, it's been quite some time. Uh, yeah. Hogan in from 84 to 88 with the Andre controversial decision there. Then you yep. go way back, like with Bruno San Martino, Bob Backlund, Pedro Morales, when those championship reigns were anywhere from the low 1000s in days to Bruno was, I believe, like 2,800 and something days. It's just absurd. Yeah. But there's so much talent now in the WWE that, a, a rain like this is almost unprecedented. Yeah. And, and national TV, way more content. It's so much more difficult to do. Yeah. Our Twitter poll, a lot more respondents to this one than I want, actually. But as you can see here on the screen, I mean, it's pretty much in court, like a quarter of the people gave it an A, a quarter of B, a quarter of C, and then like a quarter, about a quarter D or F. So we compare that to the night one poll, which I will pull up here. You will see quite the difference oh where are we here because i think it was yeah night one was like 70 percent a 25 percent b so i mean like 95 percent of people are a or b for night one quite a different response here tonight too um i saw it in the chat too a lot of people were kind of in the c when people first joined the show they were grading it here let's see this Brandon is the third gave it a b plus oh, by the way ryan that night one of wrestlemania has destroyed night two when it comes to the in-ring action stories i've told 
Yeah, Brandon had a B plus. Alan had a C minus. Um, we got David checking in C minus. So yeah, not nearly as praised as night one. Should we go through that main event match just a little bit here? Go for it. Okay, so this is one I will rewatch because I mentioned I was doing the live watch along and it, you know, I couldn't really take notes in the same way I usually do. And I, I got to kind of try to soak this in a little bit more. Uh, I feel like and watch it a second time. But uh, here's what I got. So the entrances, of course, Mania Cody got seemed like 50% of the pyro budget. Heck of an entrance. As I mentioned, Brandy was there um, with their daughter ringside. We also had Brody Lee's son in attendance, which was very cool to see. And, you know, early in the match, they got the big match feel, got the big introductions. You got Solo and Paul Heyman out there with Roman. And Cody was really, they're really putting over, you know, the fact that he was an amateur wrestler and he was using some of those skills to kind of go toe to toe with Roman early and use some technical prowess. But, you know, later Rhodes came off with a springboard and he was planted with a power bomb by Roman to kind of turn the tide. Uh, They ended up fighting to the outside. Each guy took turns power slamming each other on the ramp. Uh, Solo comes over and gets face-to-face with Cody, which allowed Reigns to then take over out of that distraction. Um, Sokoa later like, tripped Rhodes when he was up against the rope, so he's constantly getting involved. Eventually, he gets tossed from the match. Um, we had Rhodes deliver a backdrop to Reigns, sending Reigns through the announce table from the Spanish announce table to the English announce table. Crowd pop big for that. Uh, after that, Cody went on offense, uh, he had a suicide dive to the outside. He did his drop down uppercut a couple of times in this match, but Sokoa kept getting involved. Um, he took eventually got Cody's weight belt, which I don't know if you saw this or not. Cody had written like on the inside with a Sharpie, every wrestling company he'd ever worked for, which was kind of cool. And when the, when that belt was laying on the mat, you could kind of see that, but he, there was a picture of this, I think on Instagram where you could see that. That was a nice little touch. Yeah, it was yeah. legit. I could make it out a little bit on TV. No kidding. Yeah. I think I'll actually give Corey Graves a little bit of credit here. I, I thought that he was decent when it came to how he was presenting this match because one of the first things that he said when the bout opened was, Cody has to give Roman something he hasn't seen before. It's going to mm-hmm. take a special case for Roman to lose this WWE Unified Universal Championship. So, and what another thing I really loved about this match up until, of course, the usual Roman ref bump interference and all that good stuff was the psychology. They slowed this match down from the beginning. It felt like a big fight atmosphere. And that's something that I will definitely give Roman Reigns credit for over the last couple of years is the presentation and slowing things down to more of an old school feel. So I can appreciate that. And I'm sure that you can, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a slow build. They went they went a little over 34 minutes. I love the old school feel of it, though. Definitely had the big fight feel for sure. So after Rhodes got whipped with his own belt, um, you know, Sokoa constantly getting involved. He eventually was ejected from ringside. And then Roman is arguing with the referee, which allows Cody to come back for another comeback. Uh, He had a super kick on Reigns, hit the crossroads, two count, obviously. Um, 
then Roman hit a rock bottom. He got him like way up on this. That looks really cool live. He hit a pedig. Then we had a pedigree from Rhodes fighting back. Uh, lots of near falls at this point. Uh, we've got a Superman punch from Roman uh, as Cody was coming off the ropes looking for the disaster kick. Uh, eventually, Rhodes comes back with a sunsl- sunset flip over a spear. Uh, we that was that looked pretty visually stunning. We got a figure four leg lock. Uh, again, the old school feel. They were putting over like the figure four and the history with Dusty and all of that. Um, we've got a kick out from a spear from Roman. Reigns is getting frustrated now. Like the facials Roman had in the match were really get really really good. So he starts hitting these close fist punches, just hammering on him. I was wondering a little bit when he was laying into him with these punches, if they would allow him to get some blood, but no, we didn't get that. It would have added a lot to the match, especially with Cody's blonde hair and everything, but we'll get to that a little bit later as well, Ryan, when it comes to the use of blood in the WWE. Yes, there was a stoppage due to that. Uh, So yeah, he's laying into him and then Rhodes gets locked into the guillotine just really cinches it in, sits down on him. But eventually Cody breaks out of that. He comes back to life. He's punching at Roman, but eventually there's the ref bump, of course. And so then there's a double clothesline. Both men are down, and now you're just waiting for the shenanigans, you know, and and here they come. Out come the Usos. Um, You know, one night after losing to Sammy and Kevin, I wondered at the beginning, they're not out there, you know, are they being punished by Roman for losing the titles? But nope, they get involved here. Super kicks to Cody, double super kicks, uh, 1D. But then out from the crowd comes Sammy Zayn and Kevin Owens. They jump through the crowd by the announced position, running past Al Michaels, who was there in the front row. So they've even the odds. And then Owens hits Reigns with the stunner. <clears throat> we get Zayn with the Huluva kick. Uh, to Jay in the corner, or no? He had did he hit Roman with it? I can't remember now. He did hit Roman with it. Yeah. It was back to back. Owens yeah, and right. Zayn with stunner and a Huluva kick. That's right. So people are thinking this might be it. This might be it. Cody crawls over to Reigns, covers the referee. Slowly getting over there. Real slow count. One, two. Roman kicks out. So then Cody comes back, hits the dusty jabs. It's the bionic elbow crowds going crazy. You know, this seems like the moment he hits two crossroads and then we get interference from Heyman and Sokoa distracting him allows Roman to hit the spear and the three count Roman retains Roman must pose Jesse (laughs) 100% true per usual. I love Paul Heyman. In this match, yeah. and yeah. his in his facial expressions, and in the beginning of the match when Roman was a little bit shaken, he goes, "Remember who you are, smash him, my tribal chief." Mm-hmm. Pure gold from Paul Heyman. <laughs> there, there were a lot of really good counters to this, and in a weird way, this actually reminded me of a modern version of Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair, yeah. where. The psychology was slow. You saw the figure fours. There really weren't as many finishers involved as you would normally see in a WWE main event. I thought there was a lot of different, there was a lot of variety of different moves that were being executed and and rolling into two, two and a half, 2.99 counts. And I think the other thing as well is if they are going to try to give us this storybook ending, 
I think you're going to have to remember that Ric Flair used to always get the best of Dusty Rhodes. And mm-hmm. it was Ric Flair could never win without cheating. So, and it took Dusty a long time to finally go come over that hurdle and win his first world championship. And when he did, it was this extremely magical moment where you could go back in time to where Cody over the last 10 to 15 years of his career, I think he started in 2006, where he's had a lot of adversity there and obviously going to different promotions coming back here. But his recent adversity over the last year, overcoming the peck, is, I mean, granted, that is big. I think when it comes to his facing adversity in the ring, since his return to the WWE hasn't quite been there. So yeah. maybe they're going to try to play that up. That's really the only thing I can say. Yeah. I mean, they had they shot this really well at the end with Roman on the ramp holding up the titles, you know, kind of in the background and in the foreground, you had Cody just sitting up, stunned look on his face. That was a great shot. Um, but yeah, a lot of... A lot of frustration from the fans, understandably so, for all the reasons we laid out. And we'll see tonight you know, what road, no pun intended, Cody Rhodes goes down. Did you see any of the press scrum, by the way, afterwards? I did watch it, yes. Okay. So, you know, Roman came in and kind of like went after the media. Oh, you didn't think that was going to happen. Everyone's surprised in here and all that. He was really good in the scrum. I will give it to him. And there was a moment that was very funny, and I'm going to play it here on the show, just a, a little change of pace before we go to the rest of the crowd, the rest of the card. And I think you probably know what it is. Um, yeah, Nick Hausman had asked about the sale to Roman and Paul, and this turned into a reference of the CM Punk All Out incident because if you remember, uh, it was Nick Hausman who asked that first question in the All Out Scrum, which set off Punk. Talking about Nick's, uh, you know, past with Colt Cabana and all that. And Paul brought it up right away. And then you can see Roman crack a little bit and he starts smiling and he makes a reference to the improv bit, which was, you know, Punk had had mentioned that the the improv history between Nick and Colt Cabana. I'm going to play that here on the show for you here. Let me get this queued up because it was pretty funny if you guys did not see the post show scrum. So here it is. Hold on, am I not getting audio? I was busy, uh, you know. I was busy, uh, you know, smashing your favorite. Um, So, yeah, I don't really know too much about that. Today was a busy day for me. Whatever happened, I'm sure they're all very lucky to have me. I know that much. You got anything on that wise man? Yeah, he has a bad habit of starting problems at press conferences. Uh... Yeah. (laughs) You care to ad lib and maybe, uh, you know, rebuttal him? Yeah. No, he knows he has a bad habit of asking bad questions at press conferences. It's like the improv or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right, so that's it. You wasted your question. All right. Good night, guys. So that was pretty good. Got to give him credit. That was pretty funny. One other thing that Roman and Paul brought up was when it comes to this story that they're only in the bottom of the third inning, I'd most certainly hope that last night was the seventh inning stretch, if I'm being completely honest yeah. with you, because I can take two more innings of this of this game or this story, and then we're going to have a nice bottom of the ninth 
grand slam from the opposition to to close out this chapter of Roman Reigns as the WWE Undisputed Universal Champion. I'm with you. I agree. Great analogy. So yeah, 34 minutes, 35 seconds, Roman retains. Uh, let's breeze through the rest of this card, Jesse. So they opened up. The opening match was Brock Lesnar against Omos. Sub five minute match. There were some people predicting that Omos could win. I didn't. I didn't see that. I just couldn't imagine Brock Lesnar would lose at WrestleMania to this guy. The whole idea of this match was it would be a visual spectacle. Nobody's bigger than Brock except him. He'd give him the F five, and that's basically what we got. You know, early on, Omos was kind of physically outshining Brock. You know, Brock would like laugh about it that he couldn't get him down at first, and he was like, "Oh man, this is a big boy kind of thing." Um, so yeah, I mean, he tossed around Brock, he power slammed him early, but, uh, you know, eventually Brock does hit the F five and gets the victory. Not surprising. I don't have any deep thoughts on this one. I don't know what you got. No, Brock sold very well. Mm -hmm. I will definitely give him that sold his back pretty well towards the tail end, but I think in my notes for SE Scoops, I said Omos will get about a minute and a half's worth of, of what we could maybe deem as impressive offense, and then Brock will finish him off with an F5, and it'll be a five-minute match. Brock will hop on the jet and head back to Saskatchewan. Yeah, he was back in Canada before the end of the show. You got to give this guy credit. I mean, nobody makes money like him. He's he's a smart guy. Yeah, more power to Brock Lesnar. <laughs> right, so... After that, we go into the women's you know, four-team showcase match. So it's Liv Morgan and Raquel against Natty and Shotzi against Ronda and Shayna against Chelsea and Sonya Deville. And comparing this to the showcase match in night one, not, not nearly as good, not nearly as memorable. You know, they tried to showcase each person's spots here. But, uh, I mean, we so many eye-popping moments in the match the previous night, which was also the second match on the show. Um, this one, extremely forgettable, I thought. Uh, your thoughts on this match? Handful of things that were pointed out by the party I was with. I actually had a WrestleMania party, or actually a pay-per-view PLE party for the first time since November 2019. And they were wondering why Raquel Rodriguez was smiling at some <laughs> point in time. Isn't she a yeah. heel? Yeah. I had a note that Shotzi hit a suicide dive to the outside. That's the cleanest dive of her career mm. by a mile. And then I wanted your thoughts on Natty's heart attack and sharpshooter. Oh, yeah. You should put on like a double sharpshooter, right? Yeah, on Sonia and uh, who, uh, Chelsea, right? Yeah, Sonia and Chelsea. She had mm -hmm. the double shirt. I like when she she does those tributes a little bit. They're not always great. Now, she does do a better sharpshooter than, like, Rock. So, I'll give her credit there. I mean, it was all right. The crowd liked the double sharpshooter spot. They popped for that pretty good. But Not just yeah. that, also. This is the easiest money Ronda Rousey's ever made. Yeah. Eight no seconds doubt. of work, arm bar, let's go home. I think she's mm -hmm. injured, if I'm if I heard correctly as well. That's just why she wasn't, she's barely in the match. Once again. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I actually had predicted Liv and Raquel to win here. Cause I thought, hey, you know, the match doesn't really mean much. Liv is so popular with the fans, but nope, we got Rousey and Baszler with the victory. So not much here. Not really worth watching. The next one, definitely worth watching the intercontinental title match. 
was arguably the best ICE title match at WrestleMania since Mania 10. I mean, this was a hell of a match. Uh, this triple threat with Gunther defending against McIntyre and Sheamus. Jesse, thoughts? It's our kind of match. Big yeah. meaty men slapping meat. Titus yelling, call the police. When Gunther hit his first couple of chops was <laughs> hilarious. I thought Titus was going to steal the show the whole time. Yeah. There were there were times where it sounded like Drew's chops registered louder than than Gunther's. Yeah, a lot of red chests, a lot of beat up meat here. <laughs> yeah, this this is the one to go out of your way to see. I mean, uh, night night one had a couple of musty matches. For night two, this is the one for sure. Um, and uh, I did like the fact that Gunther retained. I, I picked him to retain, I think, across the board on the preview show. All three of us had pr- predicted him to retain. And I do like what they're doing with him. I like how they have rebuilt the prestige of the IC title gradually over the last few months. You know, we watched in Chicago last fall uh, together the IC title match uh, from Clash of the Castle in our hotel room. And that was a hell of a match too. So, I mean, knowing what two of these three guys had done in the past, I'm high, high expectations going in and yeah, they totally delivered. So it started off with the, you know, the kind of same formula it would have. You take one guy out, two guys work, that kind of thing. But by the end, I mean, they had the whole crowd in a frenzy. They gave them about 17 minutes, a little under 17 minutes on this one. Um, But yeah, we got all, all the chops, all the big spots, um, Gunther was trying to encourage McIntyre and Sheamus to go after each other. You know, we know about the history there. Um, they did, but that was after Gunther got hit with the Claymore kick. Um, Gunther just looked tremendous throughout. I thought, um, you, you expect all this hard hitting action and that's what we got. We had Gunther at one point laying outside of the ring in front of the announce crew. And they talked about how his chest was black and blue, which it was, uh, and that was after Drew and Sheamus took turns basically back and forth against the ropes, chopping the hell out of him. Um, we had Sheamus getting a standing ovation from the crowd at one point after laying into Drew. Um, let's see. Sheamus at one point nearly won after he hit the Celtic cross on Gunther and he uh, put the champ in the clover leaf. But not so much. You got Sheamus and McIntyre now having that friction between the two of them. Um, let's see. We had Sheamus pulled, uh, or no, McIntyre pulled Sheamus off when it looked like there was possibly going to be a finish here uh, after a brogue kick. And then they come to blows, Sheamus and McIntyre back and forth. Gunther comes in. He power bombs Sheamus on top of McIntyre then power bombs McIntyre for the victory. I mean, extremely physical. As I said, one of the best icy title matches in years. Any spots that you wanted to call out from your notes here? You hit all of the major ones. I'm going to go yeah. back to commentary again because for the first time in a long time, I actually paid attention to it. They call this the Working Man's Championship, the Intercontinental. And I said, it's been some years since it's been like that. Would it have been like 95, 96? I mean, I guess you could even go to the early 2000s when Jericho and and Ryan Angle. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps, but ever since then, it really hasn't been. So we're hoping that 
in an Ashley thus far has been that Gunther now is, or Walter, is near 300 days with this championship, and he's definitely brought some prestige back to this championship. Let's hope that he holds on to it a little bit longer because the, I think the, the main event story is also going to delay, in a good way, Walter slash Gunther's upcomings to the main event scene, which is going to happen, I think, when he finally loses that championship. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Solid, solid stuff. Watch this. Go out of your way to watch this match. You will not be disappointed. And uh, yeah, I think Gunther could be a main eventer moving forward. He's building that respect as a workhorse champion that we haven't seen in years. And uh, they got something good going with this guy. So I, I was happy to see it continue. This was the one time where I would say I was happy they didn't do a title change just because it's WrestleMania, because I don't think his his title reign has run out of steam at all. I just wanted to see it continue. And that was the right call, I think. So. You're 100% correct, Ryan. And then the I'd say that in the first two matches, and as well as Bobby Lashley, by the way, walking out with the Andre the Giant trophy, I think he did he even walk to the ring. They That's cut it off awkward, within wasn't it? Yeah. 10 seconds. <laughs> it's a big reason why the WrestleMania was at least a C is because the first three portions of it, you're like, how is this the same as what I witnessed last night? Right. Yeah, I mean, Bobby I, Bobby Lashley, this is the best we can do for this guy. I mean, come on. Two nights of WrestleMania. How many hours of tell? I mean, almost eight hours of television. Jeez. Yeah. All right. Raw women's title. Bianca Belair defending against Asuka. Um, Bianca had a pretty good entrance where she had a dance crew out there from the Los Angeles area with her. Uh, Hunter noted in the post-show press conference that like one of the main girls of the dance performance team had lost her mother that morning and she still wanted to dance because she didn't want to lose this opportunity. And that was pretty incredible to hear. I don't know how this little girl went through with that, but you couldn't tell watching it. It was, it was a really cool entrance. Um, the match itself definitely did not have the heat of Rhea and Charlotte the night before. There was no way someone had asked us yesterday morning if these two could top what Rhea and Charlotte did. And we said, absolutely not. They did not. Um, it was, did you notice it was kind of a split crowd? Uh, it seemed at one point the crowd actually wanted Asuka to go over, but then by the end, I thought they were more behind Bianca. It kind of like went back and forth a little bit. Yeah, it really did. Actually, that was the very first note I wrote is this crowd is pro Asuka right mm -hmm. now. I think that, and you may even touch on the next segment. Actually, yeah, we will. That that segment that followed Bianca and Asuka should have been placed right in between the triple threat match and this women's title match because it's hard for somebody to follow a match that you had just seen prior. It's almost perfect time for intermission or whatever the heck because that's just, it's really, really tough to get the crowd back after you saw Sheamus, Gunther, and Drew McIntyre go balls yeah. to the wall. Yeah, to, to say the least. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, they were trying to get the crowd into it. As, as we said, a little more behind Asuka. Bianca wins them over by the end. Uh, I don't have a ton of notes on the match itself. It was, how long did they go? 16 minutes. They are out there a while. Um, but, yeah, just kind of felt kind of flat for a long time. Eventually... Um, Asuka countered the handspring moonsault into a triangle choke. Um, Belair then rolled through a submission attempt, hit a, a big suplex. Um, 
in the end, we had, let's see, we had Bel Air land the sit out power bomb on Asuka at ringside. And, you know, yeah, they were, they were working hard. They had good chemistry. I just felt like it never really hit that top gear. You had uh, Bel Air duck the mist. Uh, then Asuka stepped away from the hair whip. Uh, Asuka rolled into an arm bar, but then Bel Air lifted her into the KOD for the victory. So not as good as night one's title match, not a bad match. Just the build to this wasn't that good. I didn't think it kind of showed with the crowd response. Um, you know, the build for Charlotte Rhea wasn't also also wasn't that good, but it was such a otherworldly performance and just such an awesome match that they totally won them over. Here, they kind of got him at the end. And then, like I said, Bianca, I felt, was getting cheered more by the end. Um, so that was the most interesting thing to me was, I guess, the crowd fluctuations and the dynamic. But um, as far as like reacting to the moves in the match, it just didn't live up to what we saw night one, I didn't think. Anything. The counters were fantastic at the end, which you which you mentioned with mm-hmm. the Asuka just missing the mist and then Asuka ducking the hair whip and then Asuka locking in the arm bar. But... Bianca squatting or yeah, what would that be? Yeah, back squatting her way out of it into a KOD. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really nice touch. The biggest difference between the two women's matches was the physicality. And that's what made Rhea and Charlotte so special was you don't see that type of physicality in a women's championship match, specifically in the WWE, where Bianca and Asuka, while it, it, I thought it was a very good match, it just wasn't as physical. And that's a big reason why the crowd, as well as having seen what they saw the match before, wasn't as into it. Yeah. And then this next segment, Jesse, we get the Miz out there with Snoop again. And, you know, we talked about night one. What a letdown it was for me, at least. Pat McAfee. I'm hoping for like a big star to come out there. And so then he comes out again. And you're like, all right, it's night two. Here we go. What do they got planned here? Shane McMahon. Out comes Shane McMahon, who promptly, following in his father's footsteps, tears his quad. Wow. And on the fly... One of the MVPs of night two of WrestleMania, none other than Snoop Dogg, who steps in. I mean, reportedly, they just did this on the fly. Uh, Snoop comes in. He takes takes out Miz with a punch, and he does the people's elbow. And here's your former main eventer of WrestleMania, former world champion, The Miz, once again losing uh, this time to Snoop Dogg. One, two, three. Your thoughts on this segment? there's so much wrong with this segment (laughs) let's just keep this short Shane McMahon why I said it's obvious Vince McMahon is not booking this because Shane tried to book himself to win the Royal Rumble last year apparently it's all in the family with Vince McMahon Hunter Hearst Helmsley and now Shane McMahon tearing a quad (laughs) and then Snoop asking Shane if he was all right no he's not all right the man just tore his quad (laughs) And Snoop with his with the slowest hitting the ropes I have ever seen <laughs> going into that people's elbow in the win. The most impressive thing was his sea walk afterward, to which I replied, Shane definitely can't do that now. I- <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, he definitely didn't look great on the offense, but I, I did think it was impressive that on the fly he was able to do this at least with Shane, you know, sitting out with the torn quad. Didn't Vince tear both of them at the Rumble that one year? 
He did. <laughs> was that the 05 or 06? It was 05 Rumble, right? Yeah, it was because we did that on Classics. Yeah, where he stomped out, tears both quads, and he's just sitting there on his ass. Oh, jeez. Shades of the 05 Rumble here. Real bad. Oh, boy. I, I wanted to call out something I saw here in the chat a second ago because I was going to make this point. And I forgot to. It was uh, David said all the downtime on both nights was egregious. Yes, it took forever to get match to match. You know, they plan the ads because of the people of the ads version of Peacock. So we're just seeing like promo videos roll with no real rhyme or sequence. And then they would go right to either a promotional material or then finally like the build video, the hype video to the match. They'd have some interviews and it was like, 10 it felt like 10 to 15 minutes between matches this this show could have been an hour shorter easily they went through the wwe commercials or Mm -hmm. oh that was just like what was the point of that they also went through what there was another one in there that they went through and i just went why there was a russell crowe movie promotion yeah yeah on top of that but there was another one it's gonna come to me but i just looked at it and i go why oh Seth Rollins' entire entrance the night before. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Is this really necessary? Why did they go through that? (laughs) I think they might have tipped their hand that he's going to be a world title contender Uh, soon, but what the hell was the point of that? Again, it's not for me. The crowd's really behind the guy, but Roman's set just does nothing for me at all. But yeah, I can see it. So, all right. Hell in a Cell. They have ditched the red Hell in a Cell. That's an improvement. Um, I had read a report that they said it was black. It wasn't black. It was more like a gray color. Um, Not natural shiny steel, but like dull gray, painted gray for sure. Um, And so, you know, a lot made of the characters for this match. You had Finn Balor come out um, in the demon get up. And then you got Edge coming out. And he, I don't know what you thought. I thought this was a huge letdown. Based on everything that they said about Edge's entrance and what was planned, there was the report out there that Gangrel was going to be involved, that he was doing the whole brood thing. And it wasn't really like the brood. Like it, it said brood Edge on the screen, you know, but we it wasn't the original brood theme song, uh, which we have heard. They did bring that back at one point. Uh, but he, yeah, he just he comes out brood Edge. Then it transitions into the Alter Bridge theme. Crowd always pops for that, but I thought well, this is not really what they had built up for WrestleMania. What do you think? I was pretty convinced that Gangrel was going to be showing up with him. Obviously, yeah. with contractual obligations, you probably can't have Christian Cage do a one-off here. That would have been huge and would have definitely raised some eyebrows and some questions online as well. I think one thing I really laughed at was when edge was walking down the ramp i said that's what logan paul's gonna look like in 2043 (laughs) they almost look like father son or uncle and nephew it's crazy that's great that's a great reference (laughs) yes for sure um yeah this match it did not deliver for me um maybe not surprising for people i mean there was something that happened which we'll get to that took people out of the match when i saw the picture afterwards i understood why they did it but um yeah let's talk about it so right away they go after each other uh they're going for weapons they got the kendo sticks everywhere they're laying into each other with kendo sticks they had this point where edge got balor on the outside in the corner of the cell and he 
kind of trapped him there by wedging two kendo sticks between the cell and Balor in the corner. Uh, eventually, one of the sticks like fell and he escaped. Um, then you had uh, Balor kick Edge through a table that Edge had put up in the corner of the cell. Um, we had the ladder. Edge goes gets the ladder. They talk about his history in the ladder matches. Crowd popped for, for that when they saw that. Uh, and he eventually throws the ladder at Balor in the ring. And they stopped the match. They actually didn't even show Balor for a while. They like zoomed in on Edge for a while as he's like pacing around the ring with a sadistic look on his face. And then they like pan the Hell in a Cell from far away, like way up on the, the upper deck. And the medical team is coming out there and they're working on Balor. And you couldn't see that much blood partially because of all the face paint he was wearing. But there was only like a little bit of it on the mat. But they stopped the match and the crowd started booing. They totally lost the crowd at this point. But afterwards of, you know, when the event ended, Balor put a picture up and he has this gruesome, huge cut on the top of his head. It looked brutal. Um, I don't want to get this video flagged for violence. So (laughs) I'm not going to actually show this on the stream. But if you go to Finn Balor's Twitter page, you'll see it. It is a crazy cut on the top of his head. And so when they stopped the match, they actually gave him an injection and the medical team stapled his head and then he continued the match. So I have to give him credit for that. Um, In the moment, it was really hard to tell what was happening, though. So uh, did you think they lost him here at this point? They did. I think at home, it was probably better than what the crowd experienced because they went to they panned a shots of edge kind of Mm -hmm. plotting his next move. You guys have mentioned this, and I'm with you on this boat as well, when it comes to chance of we want tables and hundreds of kendo sticks underneath the ring. It's 2023. Who wants that? I know. So played out. Credit to Finn Balor, though. I will definitely say that because, yeah, that ladder shot was like, boom, directly centered into the forehead. And that, that that's the biggest difference right now is where the WWE, they won't allow blood, which is a big reason why they, they cut the camera. And I think that that just lost. Yeah. I mean, and not only to lose the audience there, but at, it lost a little bit of the audience at home as well. Yeah. So yeah. it's a bummer. They couldn't have kept going. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, yeah, whatever they had planned, not really the fault of each guy, but uh, unfortunately, yeah, that spot just throwing the ladder took him out big time. Uh, after the medical team exits the ring, Balor has a comeback. Um, he hits the coup de gras. He uh, then goes and tries to do it off the ladder, but Edge cuts him off, hits an execution off the ladder. Uh, and then we get Balor trying to hit Edge with the coup de gras like off of the inside of the cage. He like climbs up to the top kind of like halfway up the cage and then he's going to come off, but edge moves and uh, Balor ends up going through the table that he had positioned there in the ring. Uh, then there's a spear from edge, but man, we get uh, Balor kicking out of the spear. So now edge is going crazy. He's got to finish this guy off. And so he hits him with the kendo stick, a steel chair. Uh, then he hits the concerto and that is the finish. And so Edge goes over, which did surprise me. I did think Balor would win this. You know, going back to, it seems like they've kind of devalued um, the 
everything that they've done with the demon over the last couple of years. You know, they're bringing back the demon. You got to put over this character again, and he still lost. So I, I was stunned that Edge won this match, personally. You and I both. I predicted Finn Balor to win, and you completely devalued the demon character. I don't think you can ever bring it back again. Yeah. Especially with the hokiness of how he lost a year and a half ago with the ring ropes being cut when the I think the, the lights went out, but you could totally see somebody yeah. cutting the ring ropes and him falling off like a dope into the <laughs> yeah, to the outside. That, that was so. that was where the downfall of the demon started for sure. Yeah. And they, they bring it back only for him to lose again. I yeah, I think it's lost the mystique totally now. Yeah, I think like biggest biggest losers of the weekend were damage control by a mile. I mean, they're completely I think buried dead in the water. I think Judgment Day is almost there as well, especially yeah. with Finn Balor. Just, I mean, you you would think that, especially with Edge, is going to be leaving again. I would imagine here momentarily that, yeah, this definitely wasn't the right decision at all. Yeah, I mean, so you got Rhea, obviously popular, but I mean, boy, Dominic Mysterio feels like a bigger deal than Finn Balor right now, doesn't he? Absolutely, his character work yeah. is tremendous. I'm looking yeah. to see what he does following a feud with his father because. That's going to be the telling sign. What uh, what we look to look we look to see out of Dom moving forward is can he work with somebody other than his father? Yeah. So yeah, after this, it was just they did the the Hall of Fame class presentation on the stage, and then they went to the main event, which we already covered at length. So that is night two of WrestleMania 39. As I said, we're both kind of in that C range on this one. Uh, we covered the sale news. We'll see what else breaks as the day goes on. Maybe later this week we'll have some things to talk about there. Uh, but yeah, we're seeing in the chat a lot of people disappointed with uh, the way they've handled the demon. I mean, can't blame you, Brandon. I agree, 100%. Uh, Dom will overthrow Finn for leadership of Judgment Day. Yeah, definitely could see that. That would make sense for sure. Thanks for tuning in. So yeah, go ahead. I was going to say cool. Uh, that was a cool touch, by the way, with Edge in the very beginning with the music. It was Slayer South of Heaven. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Taylor called that out, right? Yes, indeed. So very nice. Um, do you want to address the elephant in the room? Want to go to that now unless you have anything else on WrestleMania? I don't really have anything else on WrestleMania. I don't what? have anything else. I think we no. covered it pretty solidly. Would the elephant in the room be? Kyle's. The Kyle situation. I, I mentioned this on the pod yesterday yeah. that you know, Kyle is stepping away from the pod here as of right now, moving forward. And we talked about it. If you missed yesterday's show, you can go back and, and listen to it at the very end. Justin and I said some things. Uh, and you said you wanted to uh, address Kyle's departure here. I'm going to keep it brief. Okay. So you were on my show on October the 4th of 2021. And I was... I think at that time, my, my podcasting was kind of ebb flow, ebb flow. I've had one consistent co-host for maybe on and off seven months. I've been doing this whole thing solo. But when I discovered you guys, so there, there were two pair of two podcasts that I kind of mentored me and shaped how I, how I project things into the wrestling world. And they're both ironically blue wire shows. We have The Corner mm-hmm. and... Top Rope Nation. So when I was first turned on to you guys, I was very impressed with the three-man booth. And Kyle brings that dynamic to where, and this necessarily isn't a negative thing, but 
Rot, yourself and Justin have a tendency to agree on things where Kyle can kind of ruffle those feathers. Yeah. And yeah. what I've always appreciated about Kyle is his attention to detail and his in, incredible memory. And that's something that I think over the course of the last two years is something I've been trying to pattern myself off of from a professional perspective is to come handy with notes, bring your own flavor to it, and eventually the audience is going to grow. And there was a time last year when I hadn't podcasted in two months and who was the first person to get me back up and running? It was Kyle. We did an off, off-brand show on ECW Russell Palooza in 1997. So I think from, a again, a professional standpoint, I am truly going to miss him. This is more of a, this is not a goodbye. It's a see you later. I truly believe he's coming back. However, again, I, I can't thank the five of you enough for the maturation and the growth in in my professional experience just when it comes to the podcasting world. So definitely want to thank the five of you and hoping to see Kyle back on these airwaves here maybe by the end of the year. <laughs> That'll be the tease. Is Kyle coming back? Just wait for the, what was it, GTV? I'll call it the KTV references are just popping up in the corner of the screen. Yeah, you guys no. are going to hold it down, though. And that, that's the one thing that Top Rope Nation has done, because you mentioned the history of it, is mm-hmm. your attention to detail and, and the camaraderie. You can tell you guys are having fun. You can tell that you do your homework, and it definitely shows. So let's continue this growth while Kyle is taking a hiatus. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate everything you said there. It's been a lot of fun, you know, helping you doing your show. I've I've told you so many times I would do anything to help your show that I really, really believe in it. And I do. And you're such a hardworking guy. And all of us have done, you know, done your show numerous times. And it's a lot of fun. And you've done our show. And, and I said yesterday in my comments about the situation that you kind of it's an embarrassment of riches. Yes, we're losing Kyle, at least for now. But you know, I've got Justin here and he's been on the show almost since the beginning. I've known Justin for 20 years and we have good chemistry. And then I've got a whole crew of guest co-hosts that have been on the show that I know I can call on if we want to do the three man situation. I like always will go to you. We got Michael Jenkinson. Of course, we got Rick Skelton. Uh, we've got some people line up. Liam O'Rourke, of course, I'm sure we'll have him on again. Uh, Carlo Longhan. We've got we numerous people i'm forgetting some people right now that have been on the show before but like uh we can definitely call on people to come in and i'm not worried about it in that way but i'm going for sure gonna miss what kyle brings and again without like delving too much into the personal situation that he laid out to justin and i kyle doesn't want to do anything half-assed and he feels like right now with a lot of things going on in his life he's stretched really thin and he can't give it the attention it needs and so that's kind of where he's at. He'll still be around like in the Facebook group here and there, I think. And, uh, you know, I, I've been texting him all day yesterday. We're still talking and stuff. So I, I will still share like Kyle's thoughts on stuff that he's telling me in text form and stuff. So he'll still be around. He just won't be on here, you know, weekly on the pod, at least right now, moving forward. And we're, we're all going to miss him. But I hope everybody continues to tune in. Because this show is still doing a lot of growth and we've got a lot of great stuff planned. And we got a great, I said in the Facebook group, it's more than a show. It's a community that we have built. That Facebook group is so active every day. We've got so many people that I feel closely connected with, mostly through the Facebook group, which the pod launched, you know. And so that's not going away. 
And I hope you will all stay with us for the ride as we continue. So that's what I got. Any other parting thoughts? Yeah, I would say, which again, when it comes to my podcasting style, I'm definitely a hybrid of the three of you with the viewer and Justin's positivity. And Kyle and I are being a day apart on our birthdays and years. He's one day older than me. I can tell there are a lot of things when it comes to the in, in, in terms of like what we believe in, how, how we approach the sporting world as well as the wrestling world. So that's something that we've definitely bonded on as well. I've actually gotten somewhat close to Kyle in these, uh, in these last couple of years too. So that's yeah. really my closing shots when it comes to Sir Kyle Ross. Yeah, well said. It has been a, a memorable weekend, that is for sure, for some happy reasons and not so happy reasons, but we'll roll with it wrestling's never boring that's for sure so with that said jesse promote your stuff where can everyone find you jesse c velasca is on twitter wrestling you and you that's the letter u and you on the twitter handle for the unplugged wrestling podcast logo has been remade by tim jensen you mentioned michael jenkinson we will be reviewing wrestlemania 14 next monday look for that on google apple and spotify moving forward i will be coming out with a solo episode this evening you'll be hearing about that on tuesday morning i had a guest fall through which i will say who it is on my show promotion hint and in, by the end of the month, I will be using video, much like this. This will be probably the exact same platform I'll be using, so look for me to be streamed on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, wherever you can find your video sources. And on occasion, when scoops are needed to be broken, pun intended there, I do write for SE Scoops. Tremendous coverage, by the way, this weekend with John Alba coming out of the woods. I yeah. saw Trevor Dame made an article appearance as well, and Ryan being the head of it all. They're doing some great things with the partnership as well as Sports Illustrated. Yes, indeed. I think David Bixenspan is going to be contributing now as well. So, yeah, SE Scoops, check it out. A lot of exciting things. Yeah, as you mentioned, the Sports Illustrated partnership, the whole homepage looks a little bit different now due to that partnership. And, uh, yeah, you know, the owner of the site, Mike, he's been doing a lot of hard work behind the scenes and uh, making some big moves. And it's exciting times. I mean, we've got a great crew together there. Tons of articles going up. Great feature pieces. SEScoops.com. Check it out. You can find me at Ryan Drosty on Twitter, D-R-O-S-T-E. Instagram, same handle. You can find the show at Top Rope Nation. Support us on Patreon. The three-hour WrestleMania 17 classic show, Kyle's Last Hurrah is available right now video and audio you can check that out the moment you sign up patreon.com slash top rope nation so this has been episode 292 of top rope nation we will be checking in with you again real soon have a great week take care everybody What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.